us pray. Father, we do thank you this morning. I'm Lord, when we stand and we sit to hear what those who can come back with me. I want to take you back to the year of 1965. Rock band at the time that was emerging, uh, this band already, they had written a song that had become the number one, in many ways, was prophetic in its orientation. And the lead singer of this band is a guy by the name of Mick Jagger. Some of you may know who that is. What's the name of the band? Rolling Stones. And they crafted this song that went number one. It was their first number one hit in America. And eventually, through other countries, this song became the number one hit as well. And the name of that song was I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Now, I would not advise you to go Google that and listen to that. I cannot tell you that as a pastor. But I will tell you this. I know some of you are curious, but you'll probably go anyway. But I'm just, just no, I didn't tell you to go listen to it. At the core of that song, it really struck at what I believe is a more deeper problem. And I believe the reason why that song went straight to the top was because it echoes what is in the heart of men who have decided to try to go it alone without Jesus Christ. And so when this song came on the scene, it was something that everybody could, they could relate to. Because you see, I want satisfaction. And all of us have this deep longing in the, in the corridors of our soul, this, this longing to be satisfied. They want to be satisfied. And so, so what people do who don't know Christ is they think, oh, if I get more women, if I get more men, I'll be satisfied. I get more Houses, cars, money, I'll be satisfied. Oh, if I, if I try some drugs, if I try some crack, or if I try something that will be, that's kind of euphoric, then perhaps that will give me the satisfaction that I need only to find out that it never quite does the trick. Deep down in all of us, God has created a sweet spot. I like to golf, and... Uh, for those of you who know anything about golfing, they have this thing called a sweet spot. When you hit the ball in the club, they just kind of meet in the perfect place. And I believe that God has designed for you and me, there's this place deep down inside of us that, that only he can fulfill. This longing, this, this desire to want to be satisfied. And what happens is whenever we try to, to meet that satisfaction by other means, we're always left deceived. And how many know that Hollywood is a prime example of all the people who think that if I can get all the different things that I want, then perhaps I can be satisfied. And they are not. Because God has designed us for himself. All things was created by him and for his pleasure. So whether you know it or not this morning, you were created to worship and to fellowship with almighty God. And if you try to find your satisfaction in anything else, you will be disappointed. And sad to say this, I believe that you can be saved this morning and you still fall into that crack. Know the Lord, and you know the truth, but every now and then you just you think, well, let me just go back and take a little sip 
go back and, and, and try. I know Jesus is the, you know, he's, the, he's my life. He saved me. But, but you know, well, maybe I can, maybe there's something back there I miss. How do we know you ain't miss nothing? The world is full of deception. The world is full of lies and it's full of emptiness. And even when you think you got satisfaction, you find, you find that you really don't. Deceptiveness, and how many know that the enemy is at work? And he wants to deceive each and every one of us. Even if you're saved this morning, he don't want you to be just satisfied with Jesus. He wants you to be satisfied with Jesus plus. And his goal is to make Jesus, to put him in the backdrop of your life. And, and that he becomes somewhat irrelevant. But the reality of it is, is that if you've been saved for any length of time and you truly tasted the Lord. You know, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You really understand how good he is, and you want no parts of that old life. I said you want no parts of it, not even an ounce of it. Why? Because you've tasted and you've seen how good the Lord is. So we understand as the people of God that it's all about the master, Jesus. Many people want what's on the master's table, but they don't really want the master. Oh, God, you know, for example, people, you know, and, and unfortunately, uh, the church leaders have been a part of this, whereby we've taught people in error that in order to get the things that you really, really want in life, then just, just go ahead and serve God, and then God will get you what you want. If you really want, if you really want this bigger car, this bigger car, this this bigger house, these these things in life that we all know are perishing anyway. But if you really want all that stuff, then all you gotta do is serve God and God will give you all that. And so what happens is that the church has become materialistic. Because we have equate things with the blessing of God. And you can have things and still not be blessed. You can have money and still not be blessed. And so with the church is, so, and it's amazing because I see it all the time. Oh, the Lord, the Lord just, he done blessed me or so. And, and I'm, not, I'm not against things. This is not a message against things. For those of you who want to preach against things, this is not. It's really, really important to you in life because you can't measure whether or not you're blessed just because you got stuff. to look at the scripture verse in a second that's going to kind of give us some insight into what's going to happen with all your stuff. Because how many know I think that sometimes as a church uh, we need to be reminded every now and then. Because we forget too, don't we? You read the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord just kept telling the folks in the book of Deuteronomy uh, Moses was speaking said just remember, just remember us of what's really, really really important. So turn, so turn with me to uh, 1 John, chapter number 2. of things. We want to lay a foundation this morning because I want to talk to you about the subject of satisfied. For those of you who heard me last week, you know I kind of alluded to that. It's John, chapter number 2, verse 15. Are you there? Say amen. It says, do not love the world. I want that to settle in your spirit. Do not love the world. Now, when he says do not love the world, he's speaking there about this pagan.
pagan system. He's speaking about this world system. How many know that everything about this world system is anti-God? It is energized by Satan himself. So he says to us, do not love the world. Watch this. Or the things in the world. Do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. You, you, do you not realize that the things that are in this world are, are, are designed to, to lure you away from Jesus? See, that's why, that's why the makers and the manufacturers, they keep coming up with all kinds of things to be better and better. Every year, you know, Apple come out with this new product. And what they're trying to do, they want you to lust, and they don't want you to be what? Satisfied. They want you to keep wanting more and more and more. So they keep thinking of everything that they can do that can just cause you to just take the leap. Oh, and they want you to say, I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. And so people today because they what? Gotta what? If you're really honest. You're struggling because you gotta have it because after all, it's about the American dream. Uh, for us, it ain't about the American dream. It's about the kingdom. Amen. So what's really important to me is making sure that the advancement of the kingdom is first and foremost in my life. But what happens is, see, that, that lust of the flesh we deal with it as well. Understanding and even knowing the truth. And so this world system, the things of this world, the things of this world, people love the things of this world so much. I, I had a relative that had plastic on her seat covers. Y'all know what I'm talking about, on her chairs in her living room. And I ain't never saw nobody ever sit on them chairs. But grandma died, and those chairs died too. Because they're no longer here, and nobody ever sit on them. Love not the world. Now some of y'all go rip the plastic off. I'm not listening. Nothing wrong with you. Just keep the plastic on each other. But love not the world. Neither things that are in the world. Watch this. For the love of the Father is not in them. How I many know you can't love the Father in this world? Because the, this world is, is in conflict with the kingdom of God. You know, when, 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 when this world does anything, it doesn't do anything that would promote to you, hey, you need to go and spend time with God and just, you know, you need, you need to be more closer to God. Everything in this world is designed to yank you away, pour you away. Oh, you're too busy. You got this. You got that. I need this. I need that. And before you know it, you never really kind of get settled in. And this world becomes everything to us. Do you not realize that doesn't make, when he visits a foreign land, he doesn't make that his permanent home. When an ambassador comes from another country, you know what they think? They already know that I'm just visiting, but I'm coming back home. I'm not staying here. Do you not realize that if you're a Christian this morning, you are an ambassador of Christ? That means that we can't look at this world as our permanent home. But some people act like it. That's why Jesus says, don't lay treasures here on the earth because, you know, it's moth and dust. It's going to corrupt. It's not going to bring you any value. Because, how I many know, it's going to burn up. And so we, when we talk about these things and we talk about the, this world, we're talking about this system that is anti-God. And, and we're talking about the reality of the fact that we all got to be confronted with is that we must remember that we 
This is not our permanent stay. Look, he's all that is in the world. Watch this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. None of this is of the Father. Did you, did you see that? He says, none of this is of the Father. And verse 17, and the world is passing away. How many of you believe the world is passing away? You don't even have to be saved to know that the world is passing away. I mean, really, you don't even have to be saved. I hear unbelievers say, what's up? Something wrong out here. What, what in the world is going on? You don't have to be washed in the blood to know that this world is passing away. And the lust thereof, and the lust of it. But watch this. But he who does the will of God abides what? Forever. So where do I need to invest most of my time, my energy, and my resources? Into the things that's going to lead to eternity. Because this world is passing away. This, world, this, this system is all going to go goodbye. So, so that's why I trip off of people that get all excited about politics. Like, like when you get in heaven, there's going to be a Democrat party. There ain't going to be no bumper stickers in heaven saying Obama, Bush. There ain't going to be none of that. It's going to be a one-rule government. And his name is Jesus. So you go do your political thing, but don't come talk to me about all that political stuff. And I really don't have time for that because I know at the end of the day, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, and he shall reign forever. My hope is fixed on that. I don't care about nothing else. Really. Now watch this. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We're laying the foundation. Go, go there real quick with me. Chapter number 6. When you get there, you can say amen. Another word. I even know the word to speak to. Look at verse number, chapter 6. And look at verse number 6. And godliness with contentment is great gain. Now listen to that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now understand who Paul is talking. He's talking to Timothy here. And look at verse number seven. For we brought nothing into this world. Do y'all need me to define what nothing is? In other words, you came in the world with your birthday suit and you're going to leave this world with your birthday suit. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Nothing. Look what he says in verse number 8. And heaven, watch this, and he's talking to you, Christian, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Lovers of God. And having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. Oh, no, Pastor, I'm not just content with that. You tell you learn to be content. Because God ain't going to be second to nothing and nobody. Things may not be the way you want them to be, but you, we need to learn to be content. At the end of the day, watch this. If I got food and clothing 
You should say, well, you know what, Lord, I, I would like to have this, I would like to have it that way, but I want you to know, Lord, I'm satisfied with what, what you're giving me. Because at the end of the day, here's where we're going. Because at the end of the day, I got you. Hold on, he said, I let y'all go hungry. Y'all didn't believe God did that, did you? Did you? Go back and read it. I don't have time to read it. Go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, I let you go hungry. I could have fed you. I could have had you some steak and ribeyes. I could have hooked you up. But I chose not to because I had to teach you that men don't live by bread alone, but they live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what was, what was he getting at? Do whatever he got to do to do that. Because he wants you to trust him wholly, totally, and completely. Watch what he said. Nothing to his word, we can certainly take nothing out. And having food and clothing, verse 8, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Mm. Watch this. And into many foolish and harmful lusts. I got, a, I got a brother, he's a brother in the Lord, and, and I love this brother dearly. But I can't tolerate him a whole lot. Because every time he called me, and so I'm going to put y'all on notice. Well, watch this. Now, 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 hear me. I ain't interested in no get-rich-quick schemes. I'm just telling you, so don't come up to me. If you want any of that, that's cool. I, I ain't got no problem with that. But don't come up to me. I ain't in there, all that. And every time I talk, I just want to talk to him. I want to fellowship with him. And every time I talk to him, he's about trying to make a dollar. And so he's chasing the almighty dollar. But why don't we just learn to just chase Jesus? And he says, look, you seek first my kingdom. I'll take care of the rest of the stuff. But you seek first my kingdom. I can't talk to the brother. Every time I talk to him, it's all, about, it's all about how can you make a buck. Those that will be rich fall into many harmful lusts. Well, famous people die. They're supposed to know the Lord. And they fell into this. How I many of you as a Christian, you can fall into this too. Because even being saved, we forget sometimes that it's not about stuff. It's still about him. It always got to be about Jesus. But those who desire to be rich will fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves. But there's an answer to that. Go with me to John chapter number 7. Come on, run with me real quick, saints. John chapter number 7, verse 37. Ah, hallelujah. Are you there? Say amen. On the last day, I'm in John, the gospel of John chapter 7. I'm at verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Watch this now. It's interesting that the Bible says that Jesus, that, that he wasn't whispering. He, he, didn't just, he didn't stand there and say, uh, um, if anyone uh, thirsts, uh, y'all can come to me. He 
stood up nice and loud. If anyone thirsts, let him come, not to Dr. Field, not to Oprah, not to crack cocaine, not to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he said it in a way that he wanted everybody to hear it. He says, if you any man thirsts, you know, water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, quenches our thirst. Jesus says, anyone thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. Drink of me. Learn of me. Don't take a sip of me. Don't taste me, but drink of me. I mean, just, just get drunk with me. <laughs> Some of y'all know what drunk is when you was in the world. You know, when you were drunk in the world, you were really drunk. You even smelled before you got close to folk. They could smell it. See, how many know that when you drunk with hell like Jesus, he drunk with them. Any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, and he who believes in me, as the scripture says. Now, now how many know we, we got to do it as the scripture says? Because how many know this is how we learn who he is? If anyone believe in me, as the scripture says. Watch this. Out of his heart will flow rivers. Rivers of living water. Not only will you be, how many you want to be perpetually satisfied? You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, I've been saved for a minute, and there I have problems just like everybody else. But even in my problems, I'm always at peace. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, when. I told my wife, that, you know, I, and I was ministering to so somebody in the gym. I was lifting weights. They messed up my whole workout program because we got to preach and they got to shout. And, and, I, and I said, even, I said, I said, you know, the minute that I sense, my wife will even tell you that because she think I'm crazy sometimes. If I sense any stress coming up on my life, I instantly switch to the things of the kingdom. Instantly. I get the Bible. I start praying. I start preaching. I start worshiping. I start doing anything. Why? Because, because he's more than enough. He is, he, he, I mean, no, he is more than enough. And I'm satisfied because you know what's flowing in me? Living water. That's what the world is seeking contentment, right? They can't get no satisfaction because the devil keeps telling you, if you take this, this will satisfy you, but it never do. It satisfies temporarily. But he says, out of you will flow rivers of living water. But not only will you be satisfied, but you will become a channel of blessing out of you. You are, what should be flowing through you is living waters. And you become a channel for God to use you to pour this living water into the life of somebody else. How many of you want that to happen? How many of you, you, you want to be that conduit of living waters to him who is thirsty? But, but jump on over, if you will, to Isaiah chapter 55. And you all, this is, this is amazing because what you would discover is that it's almost like, like Jesus was referring to this exact verse. Isaiah 55, 
55, those are foundational texts. Look what the Lord says. Ho! And what are your, I think most of your Bibles, if you, you know, if you got the King James, New King James Version, there's a, the word ho, and there's a big old exclamation point. It's like he's saying, ho, stop. Wait a minute. You need to hear this. Everyone. How many know this gospel is for everyone? Everyone who thirsts. If you're not satisfied, if you're unhappy, you can't find peace. You can't find, find joy. He said, Every, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. But he asked a question. Watch this. And you who have no money, watch this. Come by and eat. How many know that Jesus is not only the water of life, but he is the bread of life? He is the bread of life. But he, but he asked the question. He says, watch this. Well, well let's keep going. The whole everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I mean, no, it's free. This is free. You don't have to pay for it. I mean, no, people are broke. They keep spending money on stuff that never satisfies. And he even asked you a question in verse 2. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread? So why do you keep spending your money on stuff that's never going to satisfy you? Why do you keep wasting your time watching TV hours after hours and, and thinking that that's going to satisfy you? Why do you keep uh, drinking alcohol and, and, and drugs? Or, or why do you keep playing activities and sports? And, and why do you keep thinking that all of this is going to satisfy you? And you spend countless amounts of money and you still find that you're not satisfied. Why do you do that when I will give it to you for free? Look at the name and say it's free. See, this, this is what the church all ate it all. And if you're a believer today, you should be satisfied. I mean completely, totally satisfied in the deep parts of your soul. And, and if you're not totally satisfied, then, then the question, you must ask the question, what have I been drinking and what have I been you? What you find your hope in? Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. That word abundance, doesn't that sound familiar to you? You think of a Bible which could be a byproduct of that, but how do you know that wasn't what Jesus was talking about? Jesus said, I want to give you abundant life. You know, real good living is a life that is full with peace, joy, Happy. That's what everybody wants. People think they want the things. It ain't the thing. They only want the things because they think the things are going to give them what they don't have. But you got to learn to be satisfied with Jesus even if you don't have those things. And delight your soul in fatness. Our last verse we're going to look at this morning is Philippians chapter number 4. Go there real quick. Philippians chapter number 4. Paul had, if he was here today, Paul had, he had a thick resume. Paul called himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul said, I was more zealous than all of them. Paul, Paul had status. 
Paul was a Pharisee. You just couldn't be a Pharisee. It was very difficult to become a Pharisee. But Apostle Paul, he had everything. He had recognition. He had status. He was a, a Pharisee. He knew everything about the law that it that, that was to know. Paul knew it and had it all. So he thought. Look what Paul says in Philippians chapter. I, I told you Philippians 4, actually Philippians 3. Look at verse number 7. Let's go back one chapter. But what things were gained to me, this is Paul talking. Watch this. These I have counted loss for Christ. Do you hear that? Paul says, all the stuff that I got, everything in my life that I thought was significance, measure that up against Christ, it means nothing to me. Yet indeed, I also count all, everybody say all, all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Watch this. Watch this. For whom I have suffered the loss of everything. And he didn't give up the stuff crying either. He didn't give it up saying, oh, you know, I got to throw a made by Teddy Pendergrass tapes. <laughs> I got to throw away all my, you know, worldly stuff. <laughs> this is just terrible. Paul didn't, he didn't say it like that. You know, Paul said, he says, uh, for I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That I might gain Christ. I just want to gain. My life is wrapped up in this. Paul says, I gave up everything. I gave up my life. I gave up my status. I gave up everything that was important to me because all I want is him. All I want is Jesus. From the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Paul says that I might know him. Paul goes on to say in Philippians chapter number four, he talks about, I want you to know this morning that he loves you. He died for you.